Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. ES Audio. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio, Six Nations Special. Hello, I'm Lawrence Delalio. Welcome to the Evening Standard Rugby podcast. Uh, we had a little break, but we are back, ready to enjoy the upcoming Six Nations Championship. And as ever, we'll be bringing you all the rugby action and a good deal of chat and banter and opinion along the way. Of course, I can't do that on my own. So joining me from the Evening Standard is Steve Cording and their rugby correspondent, Nick Purawal. Nick, how are you doing, Steve? You doing okay? Hi, Lawrence. Very good, thank you. Excellent. Yeah, good, thanks. Yeah, good. Bit a, a bit of a spring in the step because obviously the Six Nations Championship is coming up. I mean, obviously people know that even though I could have declared for Italy and Ireland, I'm 100% supporting England in this championship. Steve, have you got any sort of um, conflict of interest, shall we say? Well, only Spain are ever entered into the Six Nations. Apparently, if you go back far enough, we're from uh, Cordoba, which uh, I've no idea which member of the family it was that came over first, but no, definitely supporting England for the Six Nations. Uh, and Nick, who are you supporting? India aren't in it, are they? <laughs> no, uh, my dad's Indian, so uh, no, obviously England. I'm going to take the work hat off. Yeah, well, listen, we always bring you all the very, very best guests, and uh, our guest this week is no different. He certainly won't be supporting England. He's a former player who played his club rugby for Melrose, Edinburgh, and I think Glasgow Warriors, plus a little stint down in the south with Harlequins and Worcester. He earned a uh, incredible 60 caps for Scotland, was part of the British and Irish Lions tour to Australia, successful tour in 1989, and made 13 appearances for the Barbarians. It is, of course, Craig Chalmers. Chick, lovely to see you. Thanks for coming on. How are you doing? Pleasure. I'm good, mate. Very good. What have you been up to over the weekend? I did see uh, that social media you were doing a little bit of cycling, which makes me feel guilty because every weekend you're very consistent. You get out on the bike, and uh, I'm thinking I should be on the bike as well. But uh, you're looking fit, my friend. (laughs) I was. I had a heavy night. Uh, not heavy night. I was chauffeur for Rob Henderson and Peter Winterbottom at Seaford College on Friday night at uh, dinner for charity dinner for the school. And then I was down at London Scottish having lunch, watching Scottish against uh, Amp Hill. My wee pal Brian Redpath has taken over as director of rugby and seems to have got the guys into a bit of form, but they just lost out Saturday. Steve, talking about management, obviously, uh, Chick mentioned Brian Redpath. Yeah, last time we spoke on this pod, you were still coaching your son's football team. Are you still in a job or have they uh, have they found someone a slightly better these days? I think about the same time that Eddie Jones was getting the sack, I was as well. So it's, um, no, I've taken a step back, shall we say, from uh, coaching the team. Um, they were playing just down the road from you, actually, Lola, at the weekend, but I won't uh, mention the score. Didn't go too well again. Tough for kids, isn't it, when you're coaching them? You say, damn, you know, then you win and lose. And it's, it's, it's not about winning or losing. It's about taking part. It's like, 
But is it really? No, it's not about taking part, is it? It's about winning. It is, really, <laughs> yes. It is, unfortunately. And when you're not winning every week, it becomes a bit cumbersome. So we did manage to get a breakaway, actually, last week. We, we went to Cirque du Soleil, which was really oh, enjoyable. Very, very nice indeed. And Nick, you must have a busy uh, build-up this week. What have you got your eyes focused on? What can our listeners uh, read uh, about the build-up to the Calcutta Cup? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I'm at Penny Hill Park, England's based now, actually, today, to speak to some people later on, hopefully speaking to Carl Sinclair, which should be interesting. He's obviously an intriguing character. What you actually get to speak to players now is it? Is this is this sort of media, <laughs> the, the media stance has changed now? Is it that they actually realise that they need to uh, maybe engage a little bit more, and you actually get to speak to someone? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think there've been a lot of changes with Steve Borthwick and Kevin Sinfield coming in, and I think um, the feel of the setup is a lot lighter. I think. Steve and Kevin have been very strong talking about sort of replicating a club atmosphere and talking about the kind of family values that will hopefully permeate through the squad. Um, well, so it'd be fascinating to see, really. Yeah, it should be fun, isn't it? I mean, it's, look, it's a serious business, international rugby. As our guest knows only too well, there's plenty of rugby to chat about, but... Uh... Chick, um, I'm going to start with you, if you don't mind. I mean, you've had an incredible career. It sort of slightly overlaps with my career as well, but um, it was very, very enjoyable watching you play. When you reflect on the journey that you had in rugby, you, you know, people don't often realise that, uh, you know, probably like myself, you didn't grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to go and play rugby professionally for a living. Uh, we all had jobs and, you know, Tuesday, Thursday nights, whatever it was. I mean, you look back, hopefully, with a, enormous pride on, on what you achieved, not just internationally and with the Lions, but also with the Borders and all the clubs you played for. Yeah, no, I think I, I was very fortunate. I, I was brought up in a small town called Melrose where the game of sevens was invented. Tim Telfer was my first coach. Wow. So, yeah, you guys had him for about six, seven weeks in a Lions tour. I had him for about six, seven years at Melrose. And you can just imagine what that was like. I made contact sessions and him in your ear the whole time. And he wasn't a quiet man, as you know, and he, he told you exactly how it was. But um, he was fantastic for me. I was a member before my first cap against Wales. In those days, you were working until Wednesday. So I was training at the club on, on the Tuesday night, a uh, bit of kicking, a bit of passing, you know, some skills stuff. And I was sitting down in the changing room after the training came in. And uh, Jim goes, I'll see you on Sunday morning. Because we used to always train on a Sunday morning after our games. And I said, Jim, I'm playing on Saturday against Wales. And he goes, see you on Sunday morning, Chalmers. So basically, I got up Sunday morning after we'd beaten Wales at Murrayfield. My mate picked me up because I was, I've been, you know, obviously drinking the night before. And uh, he took me down. I was stripped and changed, ready to train the next again, day after my first cab. And he comes in about five to 10, because we used to train from 10 to 11 before the church went in. And the church is about 100 yards from the training ground. And uh, he says, oh, good to see you, Chalmers, but you don't have to train. And all he was doing was making a point. You know, you might be in the Scotland team, you're 20 years old. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. It's a very good lesson. But in that changing room was Doddy Weir, Carl Hall, Graham Shield, Brian Redpath, Stephen Brotherston. And he was basically saying, these are the guys that have got you there, you know, your teammates. So, yeah, it's a good day. Good lesson, and yeah, it was a great time to play rugby at Melrose. Well, listen, you uh, you mentioned some of those great Scottish players and what they went on to have fantastic careers, as you did yourself. We recently saw you on The Grudge, which, for anyone who hasn't seen it, is a very, very good documentary made by BT Sport, or it's on BT Sport, and takes a look back at the legendary Calcutta Cup match from 1990, when Scotland and England were famously competing for the Grand Slam win in the Five Nations, and... Scotland, of course, went on to win it. You played a, a very big part in that, as did Tony Stanger and many other Scotsmen. But uh, did you enjoy reminiscing about that period? And was it a good thing to be involved in? 
Yeah, I think it was a bit too political for my liking. I mean, I was 20 years old at the time. I didn't have a clue what the poll tax even was, to be fair. I was living with my mum and dad in the, in the little village of Gattonside. But all that kind of stuff went over, certainly went over my head. Maybe, you know, some of the older guys, the Jeffries, the Calders, more experienced guys, maybe they were more in touch with it. But certainly, we never really thought about it at the time. We just knew that we were playing against a, a really good side. England had brushed, you know, everyone aside up until that game. We'd sneak past Ireland and Wales, beating France quick convincingly. But we knew it was going to be tough. But, you know, I think uh, that day was... Well, it started badly for me, actually. It started badly for me because I was sharing with John Jeffrey, <laughs> And he's a farmer and he gets up at half past six every morning, six o'clock. So I got woke up by a, a boot or a training shoe to the head to get out of my bed and make him a cup of tea, being the uh, junior member of the room. So uh, half six, quarter seven, downstairs, breakfast. Nobody else was there, just us two. Back up to the room. Then the phone rings and he's in the bath and the phone rings. It's Alan McCoyst on the phone. JT knew Alan McCoyst. McCoyst looking for a couple of tickets for the game in the afternoon. And then down to Murrayfield where I got a ball in the face from Gavin Hastings. There's blood everywhere. So it was a pretty eventful morning before the game even started. But yeah, I mean, the walkout, which was the senior player's idea. Then we got a few knocks on the door from the referee. We wanted to leave England out there as long as possible, you know, soaking up the lovely, you know, reception that they got. And then we walked out. And I think it just it just prolonged the noise, prolonged the cheering. And I just think England then probably thought, yeah, we're, we're in a game now. And we never had any doubt that we could do it. And to win a game like that against England, everyone's got to be up for it. Everyone's got to be on it. And I think that's going to be the same this weekend. Well, listen, you uh, were very distinguished in that Scotland shirt. And another player who was equally as distinguished was obviously Doddy Weir, who we all miss terribly. I wanted to focus on Doddy because you're involved in the in the Doddy Cup 500. Tell us a little bit more about that and what you're doing and what everyone else is doing specifically for that. Yeah, well, it's been going on for a few years now. I think uh, Rob Wainwright, I think he initiated it. Um, there's a cup now which every year, every game Scotland Wales play, they play for the Doddy Cup. and uh, But they're cycling the ball from Cardiff, Millennium Stadium up to Murrayfield in 48 hours. So we leave Cardiff on Thursday morning and arrive in Edinburgh on Saturday morning with the ball for the game. There's a whole, there's a whole lot of different teams riding. You can do sort of as much as you like, but I'm going to try, I'm going to try and do all of it if I can. It's a tough challenge, but, um, you know, I think uh, so many people are behind it. And the fact that, you know, Doddy did so much. And, you know, I was out last week, two or three times last week, and on two of those occasions, it was Doddy's charity I was out supporting. And he did say to me about two months ago, he said, you know, when I'm long gone, he said, he said you'll still be out there running about after me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's spot on he's, yeah. you know you're sitting, I'm sure you're sitting up there having a laugh is that uh, I mean obviously it's, it's keeping Doddy's memory going it's, is it raising awareness for MND is it right are you actually raising funds as well or yeah raising funds yeah we've got uh, 30 grand as a team so far so people can go to a link yeah you can go to my just giving site and listen I, I've had an amazing response you know so I can't thank uh, people enough who've donated so far just under two weeks to go we've got to keep throwing money at this because it's a horrible disease and you know there's not enough research being done over the years you know we've got to try and find a way to slow it down but ultimately uh, a cure 
but you've got to just keep throwing as much cash as it's possible. And we've got to keep getting our backsides out there on our bikes, on our running, whatever way we can to raise money for the research. Well, listen, we, we wish you all the very best. Everyone will donate, I'm sure. Chip, before we move on, we've got to ask you about your memories of playing against Lowell. Uh, I, I didn't beat him. <laughs> listen uh, the first time I came across Lol, watched him play really it was watching the World Sevens in Edinburgh and he was a young whippersnapper there chest 21, out 21 chest yeah. out confident and uh, yeah he was you know he was a bit of a a unit, a bit of a machine. But I'm sure that's the guy that was out in Edinburgh last night. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, right. Chick and I played in a, in a testimonial match. It was Jane Evans's testimonial. Yeah, that's right. That, yeah. Down in Wales. I mean, I walked into changing room. I'd only just been capped that week. And, you know, it, it was an international galaxy of players. I mean, Chick was surrounded by all these, you know, incredible Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere players. We were down in, I think it was Stradley Park, wasn't it? In uh, Lillet. It was old Stradley yeah. Park. And, and... and I walked in the changing room. And I'm thinking, Jesus, I'm, I, I mean, I've just finish my paper round. I don't even deserve to be here. I've had one cap, if that. I think I even had half a cap. I'd only got on for 20 minutes. I looked around the changing room and I thought, wow, I mean, this is incredible to be here. And thankfully, it was one of my most embarrassing moments ever on a rugby field because I actually, <laughs> I actually scored a try that night amongst the 200 tries that were scored in the game. But I actually scored it on the five-metre line, not on the try line. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Thankfully, I don't know who was refereeing that night, but it was and the, the lights didn't work so great at Stradi, so no one really noticed. <laughs> it was a, a Scotland Wales team against the refs. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. And Jonah was playing the wing, and I always remember the, my biting memory of that game was a guy called Jonathan Griffiths, who was our scrum half, and Jonah Lumo going out the wing twice, looking like he was going to run in and score. And Jonathan Griffiths coming across and absolutely knocking him into rosé. Um, <laughs> they were great days. Great times. Can you imagine trying to tackle General Oma if they reduced the tackle height to below the waist? <laughs> that would be impossible, wouldn't it? You're not tackling him anywhere else, to be fair. The only way to tackle General Oma is by the ankles. Yeah, everyone's tried. Um, RPG, I think, is the best way, really. RPG. <laughs> 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 I'd say the one thing I noticed about that grudge, the grudge film as well, was uh, I mean, it, it was a long time ago, obviously, but um, the, the one thing that Things have changed so much in the way that rugby was played. But Chick, tell us about the day after, because I would have thought that you'd have all been nursing sore hangovers and you'd have been in bed all day, but you weren't, were you? Did you? You played in a charity football match. Nursing, yeah. Nursing is a, a good word for it, because uh, I got a knock on the door from John Jeffrey, and, and we'd, we'd agreed to play in this charity football game down in Melrose, the Borders General Hospital, on the cricket pitch, which was right next to the hospital. And we were dressed as nurses, myself, John Jeffrey, and John Collins, who used to play for Scotland yeah. and Celtic. So this is the day after. I, I was in my bed, and I wasn't really feeling like getting up, but I just kept knocking. So I thought, I better get up and get changed. And we drove down. I did that, and we played a game of football. But I was home. I was back in the borders. And then a few mates came out later, and we had a Sunday session. So, yeah, it worked out well. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio, Six Nations Special. Right, we'll talk to uh, Craig a little bit more about the, the up-and-coming game, obviously the weekend and all the others. But Steve, do you want to give us a quick roundup of some of the results? Because, um, you know, as we go into international season, there's some pretty spectacular premiership games being played. Yeah, lots of uh, nail-biting, actually. In fact, there was only one game that wasn't settled by less than one score. So it started on Friday night. Sale uh, managed to avoid defeat to Bath right on the very final minute of the game. The East Midlands derby between Leicester and Northampton saw Saints take a win by one point. Bottom of the table played top when Bristol visited Saracens and the Bears nearly managed to pull off an upset win at the Stonex. But as we've come to expect from Saris, they managed to come back and take the win right at the death. Exeter beat Gloucester down at Sandy Park. And then a game that I know, Nick, you were at um, yesterday. London Irish in excellent form, Michael Dykes. With a Patrick on his premiership debut, Tom Pearson as well, fantastic in the back row, getting that result. And I mean, the table is now so condensed apart from the top two, isn't it? That uh, there's only one win between third place, Exeter, and Leicester in eighth. So, uh, Nick, what did you make of uh, London Irish yesterday? I thought they were fantastic. That's their fourth win in five premiership matches since they beat Newcastle on, I think, the 3rd of December home. And they... They've just really sort of um, started to come out of the right side of these tight results. And uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of Michael Dykes, he's only the third person to score a hat-trick on Premiership debut. And the other two... What was that? Leslie Vinacola? Yeah, yeah. Leslie Vinacola. Big Les, the volcano, yeah. And uh, Courtney Scoson in 2021. And so the issue there is those two guys, obviously Vinacola was a, a rugby league international and Scoson was a, a springbok. And so he's the first academy graduate to score a hat-trick on debut. And it just kind of underlines again the great work that the London Irish Academy are doing in terms of uh, bringing through homegrown talent if you like, look through their squad and then look through the depth chart of what they've got coming at sort of under 20s and under 18s it's amazing you touched on Pearson but Chandler Cunning himself played number eight you know he's only 19 he is fantastic as well and they just keep producing them it's uh, you know it's absolutely phenomenal to see because of the skill levels they've got and the ability and you know Dykes has been sort of biding his time for two years really only had his opportunity because Ben Loder was injured and Ollie Hassel Collins is with England but just looked very comfortable and very natural yeah we had another uh, red card yesterday shoulder on head Cunningham South obviously felt that one I mean what was the vibe yesterday down there the tackle height and the the RFU's backtracking. What was the feeling amongst the managers and players after the game? I think the general feeling about the red card was accepting of the decision and effectively saying it wasn't done with any malice because obviously um, Louis has got to come in and try and make the clean out, but there's a tiny margin for error there. So shoulder on head and, and everyone was accepting of that. It's really hard, isn't it? Because you, yeah. you know, you've got big guys like Cunningham South who are enormous human beings over the ball and there's no way you're going to affect a clear out. I mean, you can't, you just can't do it really. So, but, but your natural reaction a couple of seconds before the breakdown isn't to suddenly emergency stop and put the brakes on. So mm. sometimes I do feel for players because it's very difficult 
difficult to change your mind with a few seconds, you know, milliseconds to go before effectively a clear out. I mean, it's almost impossible. But admittedly, you know, when you look at it in slow motion and, and full speed, that is exactly what we're trying to rule out the game. You know, it's direct, you know, shoulder on head, hitting pretty hard in the head. And that to me, rather than anything to do with the tackle height, is the kind of area of the game that they really have to get a grip of, really. So I think it's the right decision. Quinn's looked a bit lacklustre yesterday. I mean, I think Irish, they just looked like they they were dialed in right from the first kickoff, whereas Quinn's didn't look like they'd even got off the bus, really. Well, did you go to the game as a fan yesterday in the end? Uh, I didn't actually. I watched it as a fan. I mean, I, I, was, I was sort of slightly, because I had a weekend off. I thought, you know, do I say to my wife, I'm actually going to take use one of my days off to go and watch a game of rugby with a load of mates and get pipes <laughs> down my neck? Because I think she'd, she'd, she'd be really chuffed with that, wouldn't she, really? So I thought I better, you know they, how they say in life, choose your battles carefully. Um, I mean, I'll be honest with you, between these four walls, I did consider it, but um, I actually bottled out. <laughs> I actually bottled out. <laughs> did, did, you, uh, did you stay and practice your baking skills at home instead? Yeah, I, I did. What did you make this weekend? I made a, a lemon polenta cake, the, the very one that you tried, Steve. So, uh, but actually, <laughs> For those I mean, who don't we, know, uh, Mr. Delalio is, is a mean baker of cakes. So, yeah. Celebrity Bake Off, if you are well, listening. I mean, I'm not, I, just like, <laughs> I, like I like cooking. And the reason I like cooking is because it allows me to open a couple of bottles of wine. So, uh, I did enjoy <laughs> I, I actually watched all the rugby. There were some great games, great derbies. You know, I guess we get to see some young players coming through. I still find it a bit odd that the best players are preparing for international rugby and, and not able to play in some of these big games. But so, uh, yeah, a very, very enjoyable weekend. Who was your player of the weekend? Well, I think, you know, we can't go for a guy who's got a hat-trick of tries, haven't we, really, on debut. Uh, he looks pretty special. So I think he's probably the player for me who who stood out in that game particularly. I don't know whether there's anyone else across the league. Steve, are you watching? Uh, I mean, I suppose the, the young lad who... The, I mean, the young lads at Sale are, are, are tearing it up. You know, Alex Sanderson seems to be doing good things there. And I think for them to score in the last minute, you know, against Bath and, you know, three of those players all came from the academy at Sale. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's pretty pretty healthy at the minute in England. Yeah, I, I was going to go for James Ram until don't you've seen it yet but the um, Ange Capuzzo is that a good enough Italian pronunciation for you long his try last night his second one for Toulouse is absolutely unbelievable if you get a chance to see it on social media it's like Superman going into the corner he scored two tries <laughs> and there's a little 15 minute clip that's been put together of his action yesterday and I think that hopefully is a precursor for Italy doing some good things in the Six Nations in the next few weeks what a beautiful segue you've just delivered there Steve I exactly mean, if you thought about that, should we talk about the Six Nations? Nick, you're down at Penny Hill Park at the moment. Uh, what updates can you give us on England's preparations? It's a place I know very well. They've obviously uh, left you in charge of that Ming bars behind you. What's uh, about this, yeah. this opening game in the Calcutta Cup? I mean, give, as an English fan, give me some hope because we haven't, never mind talking about the World Cup. I mean, the players will soon find out whether it was Eddie Jones or them that are responsible for the <laughs> malaise over the last few years. The double agent has gone back to Australia and uh, and now we've got an opportunity to really make a statement. And, and what I really liked about Steve Borthwick, and he was completely usurped, you know, in, in his press conference by the news that Eddie had signed to become the head coach of Australia, which was <laughs> incredible, really. But... Uh, he just said, look, England fans and the players and everyone involved with English rugby don't need me to be talking about anything other than beating Scotland because that's not something we've managed for a few years. So what's the feeling in the camp? Yeah, I think, like I was saying earlier on, the, the mood has lifted a lot. You know what it's like when, when that sort of, it's quite natural when you when you have a change of, of coach, isn't it? But I think what they have focused on is, you know, they're certainly trying to position themselves very separately from Eddie's very taskmaster driven, sort of very, very hard nosed approach. 
obviously it'll be tough, but I think also Steve Borthwick spoken at length about he sort of questioned himself in 2016 as to you know whether he would want his sons to be coached by him. And in 2016, you know, he said the answer was definitely no. But now he'd look at it and think sometimes yes, and that he sort of imp- he thinks he's improving in terms of player care and that sort of thing. And and as much as that's maybe sort of the softer side of things, I think it's quite important in terms of mood and atmosphere as well, because there were times under Eddie when the team was doing well, but the mood wasn't great at all. So you've noticed a lot more smiling faces around that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, they'd changed the order of the day around. Under Jones, it was fairly segmented. So the day would be quite long in terms of work and breaks and, you know, when they were having... You know, the different things they're doing, gym work and on the training pitch and things. And they've now condensed it all into one block. So trying to replicate that sort of club environment. So they get up and they start and they go without, you know, until they finish and then effectively they clock off. And obviously they'll stay at, at Penny Hill, but I think there's a much clearer sort of delineation between work and rest. And I think that's probably, you know, the idea behind that is, is to sort of break it down and simplify it in terms of, you know, the kind of the mindset for the players and the mental fatigue and things. So, you know, the message is pretty clear. And I think obviously Steve's been pretty clear that they haven't had a lot of time to prepare. So they're going to keep it simple, focus on two or three key things. And I think those will be sort of forward based in the first instance. And you know, I think that's a good idea, given the time constraints, especially. And hopefully that'll just take a little bit of a, a lift off the players. What do you want to see, Lawrence, on Saturday? Well, other than a win. It's so important in this tournament, you know, whether it was when Craig and I played or now, you know, getting momentum in any tournament, you've got to win your home games, really, because the away games are so tough. But also, you know, that momentum of starting the tournament with a win is a much better feeling going into, you know, obvious feeling going into the second game than there is if you lose, you're under so much pressure. But they haven't got a lot of time. You know, he will go with a tried and trusted set of players. I mean, it's it's very refreshing to see a squad that's picked where everyone's actually got a genuine chance of playing for England instead of bringing along a load of boys who, who shouldn't be there. You know, we had a, we were picking players that, should, that didn't deserve to be in, in the hotel. So that for a start is good. I think Steve will focus on people that he knows very well. There'll be a simple clarity to his selection. England have become a soft touch of late up front. And I don't mean that in a kind of gnarled old school way that you need to be, you know, overly physical and get yourself sent off. But, you know, your set piece, your scrum, your line out, your restarts, your defence, all that sort of stuff. You know, I think people have attacked England in those areas. So, you know, Steve is an absolute black belt at the detail. It seemed to me as good a coach as Eddie was, players didn't look like they actually knew what they were doing on the rugby field, which is a bit of a worry, really. Uh, Whereas I think what Steve will do is he'll give real clarity of message to individual players and the group as to what their responsibilities are and then once you as players you have that clarity that makes your whole approach to the game a little bit more simple there's Nick Evans is the attack coach I think it's a really interesting selection but you know he's not a magician they can't do things straight away but I think over time I think his influence will start to come through but I wouldn't necessarily see anything too expansive in the game plan against Scotland very dangerous team Scotland I'm sure Craig will give us an update on on where he thinks they are well, I was going to say, Craig, is it a good time to be playing England or a bad time when they're under? Well, per- no, personally, personally, I thought Eddie was doing a great job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> why you get rid of him? I think Greg has got a great record against England, not as a player, but as a coach. I think he's lost one game in five, I think. I think Gregor took over in 2.18. So it, we got absolutely humped against you guys in 2.17 when Baron Cotto was coach, I think. But yeah, we've started well against you guys the last few years. And, you know, our problem is backing it up. I'm fully confident about the weekend. The advantage we've got is consistency and selection. Guys know each other really well. It's a pretty settled team we've got, settled squad. One or two injury worries around Xander Faggiston, a prop. That's our big worry. Stuart Hogg's not played much recently. 
thankfully Finn and Greg are pals for the moment, so long may that continue. Jamie Ritchie's doing a good job as captain. Yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident, but you know, that's when it normally goes to pot when we get exactly. Where will you finish in the table? But we should get predictions, actually, shouldn't we, from everybody before we start the tournament? Where's everybody going to finish? I think it's going to be France and top. Ireland, Scotland, England, Wales, Italy. Lawrence, yours? Well, I don't think there'll be a Grand Slam. Um, as much as um, France and Ireland were, would love there to be one, you know, we were lucky enough to win one going into the, the 03 World Cup. I think Ireland are slight favourites because, you know, they play France and England in Ireland. So... I would say Ireland, France uh, finish first and second, but not completely unbeaten. But that has to be caveated always with Johnny Sexton staying on the rugby field for five games because I still don't think they've got a long-term solution for that. You know, Carberry's dropped out the squad, etc. So I think that's the key. And then I, I do believe England have got three home games. And I think, uh, you know, for that reason alone, I think that gives them a chance of finishing third. They're going to have to play well. Uh, but when you've got an angry group of players with a point to prove, to prove that it was the coach and not them, because if they lose again this season, then, you know, you start to point the finger at them and not the coach. And I think after that, I think probably Scotland, Wales and then Italy, sadly. Nick? I think France will win. I think Ireland will be second. I think England have got a good chance of being third. And then Scotland, Wales, Italy, yeah. But I think it, the thing is, you know, the margins are so tight there. That's one of the reasons why this tournament is so good is it could be completely different, couldn't it, really? Well, we're certainly all looking forward to the action this weekend, I think. But um, I think now, Lawrence, you're getting ready to tackle Craig and it will be a tackle below the waist or below the sternum. I'm not quite <laughs> sure. Um, one or the other. Tackled. The first time I've got to tackle him, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> Craig, uh, there's a few questions that we, we, we like to uh, ask all of our guests that come on the pod. Just quick fire, nothing too taxing. First, your full name, please. Uh, Craig Minto Chalmers. Minto. Like Minto. That. Where does Minto come from? My mother's maiden name, so she was Ina Minto. Good name. Not very, uh, not very common. <laughs> I'm not sure where the segue is from full name to favourite takeaway, but your favourite takeaway? Chinese. Chinese. Good lad. Yeah. Good Chinese on a Sunday night. What was the last film movie that you watched? I don't really watch many movies, but the last one I watched was probably Star is Born, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. That's, that was over Christmas and New Year, so I don't really I, I watch series more more often than not. So now that you're preparing for the Doddy Cup 500, what did you what did you have for breakfast these days? Well, I'm normally fasting. I don't normally eat till twelve, but I've got a bit of a cold at the moment, so I uh, broke today and had a bacon roll and a Costa coffee. So that's breakfast this morning. <laughs> Breakfast of Champions. What? Uh, I think. I mean, I know the answer to this question. What, what's your nickname and why? A chick. My old man got called chick. My dad, uh, Brian Chalmers, he got called Chick of Work. So I just got Young Chick. So I was Young Chick. Chaz, I got a lot. I get called lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> so do I, but they're not repeatable. I can assure you. <laughs> what is the best advice that is repeatable that you've ever been given? I just think my dad used to, he was worse than Jim Telfer, I think. He was, uh, you know, nowadays it's all praise and positive chat. Most of the chat that I got after the game was, why did you do this? But, you know, it was all negative stuff. So, <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, hard work, hard work gets you everywhere, I think. That was my dad's motto. Hard work gets you everywhere. Well, you certainly listened to that. Um, who is the most famous person you have in your phone book or your phone? Apart from you. Well, I mean, uh, obviously, um, you know, <laughs> apart from the Italian rugby player that you know. Um, yeah. Ali McCoy, Rangers legend. I think, uh, you know, I know Ali for years. Never answers his bloody phone. No, but, he, um, he Yeah, Ali McCoy's probably. Good man. Who would play you in a film about your life? 
I was going to say Brad Pitt, but uh, <laughs> you could say that. You could say I'm not, that. I'm not sure what his Scottish accent was like, so I'm going to go for Martin Compton. He's probably not tall enough, but he's got a Scottish accent. So yeah, Martin Compton. His English accent's not bad either, is it? He's very good. He's, he's in a lot of good stuff. Yeah. Who was the funniest person when you know in and around the the rugby circles when you were playing, or generally the funniest person that you know? The naughtiest person in the dressing room with the scrum halves normally. Brian Redpath and Gary Armstrong, they were always up to nonsense, you know, playing tricks, pranks. You know, you go to Wednesday night, which was a, you know, normally a drinking night before international. You come back to a bed full of crushed biscuits and stuff like that, you know, that kind of nonsense. You know, like, <laughs> but uh, funniest, you know, I think the funniest person that I hang about with nowadays is an ex-international and ex-teammate of yours, Rob Henderson, I think. You cannot have a dull night out with Hendo. I think he's one of the funniest guys I know. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, are you a dog or a cat person? A uh, dog, oh, yeah. I've got a cat, but dog all day long. You don't get much back for the cats, do you? It's just, they, just, they just stare at you, just wanted to be fed, and then they go to sleep for another 18 hours. They're annoying. A bit like your teenage child. Um, <laughs> what's your karaoke song? What's the go-to that you get up and sing? I think it's a difficult one, that one. Um, if I was singing a song, like just like asked to sing a song on the bus, I would sing a song called Wild Mountain Time, which is a Scottish song. But if I was in a karaoke, it would be uh, Bon Jovi living on a prayer. <laughs> uh, <strong>. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you watch much TV? Do you have a favourite TV show that you watch or not? I think uh, probably it's on at the moment. And I, unfortunately, it's coming to an end. It's got one more episode to go. Happy Valley has been a great series over the years. And yeah, I like that. I used to watch Coronation Street, but... <laughs> I think we'll stick with Happy Valley. Um, <laughs> Can we cut that out, actually? Who, in your opinion, is the best rugby player of all time? Uh, you know, it's difficult. Uh, the best fly half I played against was Michael Lyon, you know, closely followed by Andrew Merrins and Rob Andrew. But I think Jonah Loma changed the game. He certainly changed the game for us. And he helped uh, speed up the game going professional. I had the uh, pleasure of playing against him a couple of times. But, uh, yeah, Donald was the best. On his day, you could do anything. And, Chick, your best and most memorable rugby moment, the one that you stands out. I mean, you've achieved a huge amount in the game, you know, obviously 1990s up there. Was it, could it, was it the Lions? Was it? I mean, what's been the best moment of your career, would you say? Yeah, I mean, the, the Grand Slam was probably the best day. I think uh, I look back to my, my dad's side when I was quite young, 27. He was, he was only 53 at the time. But about two weeks after we played Ireland and I played probably one of the best games for Scotland that day. I, I was run down totally the week before, but we turned up, we beat Ireland 38-10 at Murrayfield and probably played one of my best games. So I look back and think, you know, that was one of the, because it was like, you know, that was, was for him. Well, listen, Craig, thank you so much for coming on. You're an absolute legend of the game. You're a smashing bloke. Enjoy the Six Nations uh, and uh, good luck with the Doddy Cup 500. We will make sure that we put the right link out there so people can increase the 30,000 that you've raised for an incredible cause. So uh, really appreciate you coming on. Pleasure, man. So that's all for this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast. My thanks to Craig Chick Chalmers, to Steve and to Nick. We'll be back again next week, so make sure you're subscribed to the pod so you don't miss out. Until then, thanks for listening and goodbye. The Evening Standard Rugby Podcast with Lawrence Delalio, Six Nations Special. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, and this episode of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast is brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. 
QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 